Okay, so today I'm talking with Steve Wallace, who's a composer, singer, multi-instrumentalist, and just an all-around amazing artist. And I think an artist is the exact right word to describe you, Steve. I've known you for a few years, but last night even, I was clicking around on your website, looking at your projects, and you've got music videos, you've got operas in development, you've got mixtapes and musicals. I was like, oh my gosh, Steve has been making so much for so long. And I just want to start with, what are you doing today? Well, I took my daughter to the uh, bus stop <laughs> to go to the school bus. And uh, this morning I just, you know, I had uh, some cereal and I just planning my day, you know, I have some laundry to do and stuff. I did do some um, some uh, band arrangements for, for Animal Farm too, like kind of in, in between. So I guess that's kind of the, the thing I do is like between doing like, like regular human being stuff, I'm like, always creating something or doing something to build something else that I'm trying to do. I just feel like a, a lot of times I talk with people who are creating stuff and it's like, you know, I either need a huge chunk of time to like mm -hmm. knock out this really important part of the project, but it kind of sounds like you're, you'll bite off a little piece of this here. You'll like work on this, these arrangements over here. Is that kind mm -hmm. of how you work or do you have these like chunks of time? I, I do a little of both. I think when I was younger and I was single and I didn't have a kid, I had a lot more chunks of time to kind of do things. And then as I've gotten older and more responsibilities and stuff, yeah, it's been like, do the thing, even if it's not whatever, even if I don't love it at the moment, just do it and then go back to it. Because there are, t there are moments when you're just kind of sitting around or something's on TV, you're not really into it. There's time in between when you could like grab a, a quick look at something. I think about things a lot before I do it. so. Sometimes it seems like I just, I may just sit down to do it, but I've been thinking about it, like planning it in my mind, like when laying down, going to bed, or when I first wake up in the morning, like I'm thinking about, okay, you know, like how I'm going to arrange the drum part for something, or if I'm going to use, you know, for orchestration in the, this other thing or whatever, you know. You're kind of turning it over while you're doing the live stuff. Definitely. I'm just so in the depths of the animal farm right now. So I'm thinking about that a lot. But for example, a lot of the, the lyrics I got were much later than I wrote the music. So like when we first started working on it, it's with uh, Daniel Abrahamson, who was the lyricist. And later uh, Sarah Musette came in and was writing the book. But when we first decided, okay, we're doing animal farm, I like, I like vomited like all of this music at one time. Even to the point that now this is two years, maybe two years since we've started it, I'm still pulling from that music. You know, like I have all these ideas because I wanted I wanted to create the world. And I didn't want anything to get in the way or get in between what the world would sound like. For the most part, like I just, you know, just was mentally in that zone. Once I conceptualized what the music would sound like, I listened a lot to that type of stuff. And then I would wake up in the morning with melody ideas. I would walk, I would brush my teeth. I would in the shower or whatever. And anytime I have something, I just lay a, a vocal mem a memo. And then when I have time, I go back, sit at the piano and like, you know, flesh it out a little bit and save it as a vocal memo. And then, and if I have a little time, I'll just sit down in finale and just start plugging notes in to do a basic structure and with no lyrics or anything. And then we're talking about, oh yeah, we need a moment for the thing. And I'm like, oh, let me see what I have. How about this? And then, you know, I just see how can the lyrics work with this melody or I send the melody to Daniel and he says, oh yeah, write some stuff to that, you know. It sounds like you did yourself a really big favor two years ago because yeah. now you're like, I have this huge, you know, wealth of things to draw from. 
I think that early work helped even beyond just having tunes written, but also like thinking through the sort of skill aspect of creating a musical or sonic world, which is like using motifs, having certain harmonic language, or like even like rhythmic motifs or, you know, time signatures that kind of fit that world. And that helps because then if you're, you're kind of locked in, you know, you kind of create parameters for yourself. And sometimes people feel like those limitations are li- are limiting, right? Because the nature of the word, but it actually, to me, like focuses what you're doing. And then if you choose to break out of it, then it's like a fun, interesting thing that happens within what you've already established for yourself as parameters. We should say that you're having a a run in New York of the whole musical on Mm -hmm. November 16th for about a week. So do you feel ready for that? Or where where are you guys in the getting it up on its feet stage? Yeah, so so just just for the record, this is considered a developmental production. You know, you know how it is with some. It's important, some, yeah. Yeah, some theaters. I mean, it is a it is a full production. Though. I mean, it's like costumes and stage, you know, set and all that stuff, and a four piece band. But yeah, so no, I do not feel prepared for it because <laughs> no, but I do like I do like in my soul. Yeah, I'm ready for it, but like like physically, like in the moment, no, I'm not because I have to. I'm still writing band parts. You know, just the incorporation uh, with the new book, because Sarah, she just started, she started from scratch. Me and Daniel had written a book together, which was which was okay, and it was, like, functional, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we're not book writers by training. Uh, we just kind of, you know, no storytelling, so we just kind of did what we could and pieced some things together. And granted, it's based on uh, Orwell, so... We just pulled a lot of stuff from Orwell mm-hmm. and, um, and pieced it together and did some things to make sure the song worked in the context. But Sarah is like, that's her thing. And she went to Harrington for it. So she was like, um, yeah, let's start this over. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, cool. Yeah. You know, bring bring your expertise and all of us can kind of sit in our lane, but then, you know, be able to speak in the connectivity of all the pieces involved. The book was still coming together. That was finished at the end of August. And some of the lyrics, too, because the book, because of the book, it led to more songs being written. And so there was some lyrics and stuff that were just being finished a few weeks ago. So then it's like I had to get the score together. And then now right now the piano vocal score is done, but the orchestral or the band score, you know, the arrangements are a little over halfway done. So that's where I am. And when do you know that you're done with something? Do you just feel it? You're like, this is as far as I can take it. What does that look like for you? Like doing something myself, like I just have my own gut feeling about it. Like I've said what I needed to say and I just kind of just do it and let it be. And then sometimes I put some time on and come back to it to see, okay, is this missing anything? But I just write it until until I've gone through everything that needs to be gone through. But but I've planned it ahead of time. So if you've hit if you hit all those buttons and done all the things, checked all those boxes, I think, then I'm just done and I'm moving to another project. When we're working collaboratively, it's a little bit different because there's always like some zhuzhing and clarifying and stuff that's happening because all you have three different minds at the table. In the last few years, you also, you took on probably like the most creative and challenging project was just making an indie musical film, producing and composing the R&B opera reimagining of Shakespeare's King Henry the Fourth and Fifth, and you said it in the 1950s. It just seemed like there were so many moving parts for this. And I was just wondering, like two years on now, 
when you look back, what did you learn about yourself from this process? Well, that I that I knew more about the process than I thought early on. I, I second guess myself quite a bit, but there's a fine balance between trusting and, and relying on collaborators and then actually knowing that you know what you want. Too much of either is out of balance, you know. Mm-hmm. I had done a film before that. But it was very much like pick up a camera. Like I had a friend with a camera and like we went into some spots and just like, okay, you guys are going to fight now. Go, you know. <laughs> but this was, you know, a more detailed and elaborate process and so many moving pieces. I ended up falling into roles that I wasn't expecting to fall into as a, like a producer of the film, but not just like the creative guy saying, this is my, you know, creative vision, but like, you need to be here now, like, you know, and having that energy. It was a little tough for me to, to kind of fall into, but, you know, it got done. And, and I learned that I, I can go there if I need to. Yeah, that was one thing. I mean, definitely working things out early with folks, because there was one person who has to stay nameless, who is actually a writer on the project. And her name is as a pseudonym because she became kind of famous from when I first knew her Mm. and worked with her to when it came out. And so then all this other red tape came in because now like her career was like booming and she wasn't even in a place where she was so secure in her career where she could be like, yeah, man, go ahead, use my name, blah, blah, blah. It was like, okay, this is looking like it's going somewhere and I have like a hit and I might be doing this other thing. And so in order to protect the entity that she was creating, I had to deal with her whole team and stuff and came to the compromise of using a, a pseudonym where if I was able to use her name, I could have got so much more funding and been able to be on a different level. I'm saying that to say get, getting it early and talking through details and making sure paperwork is in, in order and all of that because you just don't know what could happen. You also seem so good at having a vision for a project and then sticking with it. I mean, it sounds like a crazy question, but like, how do you believe in yourself and that vision so much? Like you have an idea and it actually happens. How do you do that, Steve? (laughs) Um, I I had a manager. So when I was in like the the hip hop R&B world, so I was a music producer and like writer and I put out a few independent albums. When I first started into that world, I had a manager and our our spiritual beliefs were, were very similar. And he was also a writer or he had, he had been a producer and a writer, too. You know, we used to connect on this idea that anytime we received an idea, a musical idea or a creative idea that we felt like God was entrusting something to us. It, like it felt like it was our responsibility, like God would not give us that thing if God did not believe that we could see it through you know, that we didn't have what we needed to, you know, move forward on it. And then we would be entrusted with more of the same. So that's kind of how I see it. You know, I just feel like, you know, the creator just drops a little seed in my soul and it's like, okay, here's an idea. Then I'm left with the responsibility of feeling like, like I have to do it because like I just have to. God's telling me do this thing, you know, so I gotta do everything I can to try to make it the best I can, you know. What do you do when something might not turn out the way that you originally envisioned it? You know, we all go through these things where it's like, it didn't quite like pop the way I thought it was going to pop. Does that faith that like you're going to have more ideas and more things in the future help get you through that? Or how do you deal with those moments? Well, it's from experience because 
I used to take the specificity of my vision uber serious, like earlier when I was younger. And as I got older, I started to, to see that it's not about the specifics, the exact detail of the vision, or I don't know, it's like, it's not, it's not how it manifests. It's the energy and the spirit behind the vision that's most important. Because that's this is how people get your writer's block. Because they get too specific about like, it's got to be done this way. And I remember being a teenager, like being in studios and I, something wasn't going the way I wanted to. And I <laughs> had a little tantrum and took off my headphones and threw them on the ground in the studio. Like, no, this is not right. You know, <laughs> like I was Beethoven or something. And, gr and granted, you know, Beethoven was throwing like chairs out of windows and stuff. I mean, granted, this guy was going deaf and like music was his only thing. So I, not to give excuses for his behavior, but they were no, no really excuse for my behavior either. But once I just kind of let those things go a little bit and just make sure that I'm solid on the vision, like the soul of the piece, you know, like what it's meant to be what it's supposed to feel like, not necessarily what specific details or the method of bringing forth the vision, then I feel like that was able to happen a, a little better. That makes a lot of sense. And it's so funny now, just I would never picture you as someone who like throws a tantrum. You're the most even keeled, collaborative guy. So when you're like approaching a new week, how do you know what you're doing today and, and that it's going to be successful in the end? Mm -hmm. And I already feel like it's going to be successful to begin with. I just let that be what it is and just do each step along the way. Depending on what the time crunch is like, sometimes I get I get worried that I may not have enough time to do stuff. But I, it gets done one way or the other, whether it's done with my full attention or if it's kind of, you know, sometimes even finishing something and rushing to finish it is is okay, too. I don't necessarily like it, but, you know, hitting that deadline is important. So, and I would say that, you know, just being able to know that you can get stuff done and encourages you to know that you can finish other things too. So anyway, like today, there's certain things that are set in stone because of family. You know, my daughter has certain like things she has to be at, like after school programs and things gets to be picked up from the bus stop. And then like there's a certain point in the day where I know I have to pretty much shut it down so I can be with my wife. And my daughter, we have like a prayer time at night. And then after that, my wife and I usually find something on Netflix or whatever to watch together. Unless there's a heavy deadline, you know, for either of us. And, and then certain things that need to be done during the week. Like, so, you know, we all have certain chores that need to be done. Like I'm looking at a stack of laundry, like right now that I need to do. I try to do what I can as much as I can. I think another key is to like, to not overanalyze it, you know what I mean? Just kind of do the thing, you know? And I think that's what people get stuck, you know, like trying to get back into the zone. And it's like, just do some stuff and like come back to it later and then decide, never critique it while you're doing it. Like just, just do it and then critique it like next week. You know, you just write a whole thing and then you go back and read it. Now you got the whole thing done. It's a lot easier to be like, oh, I don't like that line there or this scene can go there. That's a, you can do that in between whatever else you're doing a lot easier than actually fleshing out a whole working on script or whatever. I was just talking to someone yesterday who's like, I just made a really bad first draft, but mm -hmm. it's never going to be as hard as that was. You know, all you have to do is really like continue to believe in it and come back to it again and again, not be afraid to, you know, open yeah. up the word doc, open up an alley and mm -hmm. sort of say like, OK, I'm faced with 
whatever I made last week. And it's not the last thing you're going to write either. You know what I mean? This sometimes like one working on one particular project is really training ground for the next. Who knows? Some, you know, that might hit the public and it may not, but and you want to do your best you can wherever you are. But I listened back to my first album I made. It came out in 2005. It's called Come With The Real. And I hear so many mistakes and so many things that I would do differently, you know. Mm-hmm. But if I hadn't done that album, then it wouldn't be able to inform like the things that I do now. Like even outside of that genre of like an R&B album or something. All of it's like stepping stones. You don't finish the one thing. You can't go to the next with that wisdom. Where do you see yourself in like five years in your career? I would hope that there would be more, more. Well, I do have opportunities that come to me, but opportunities that are that I don't have to push so hard for. I do a lot of pushing on my own and even like fundraising and stuff like that, like with How King. I did like 95% of the fundraising for How King. I've had a couple of projects where the, the funding is there and other people are doing that. I would love to have more of that where the funding's just like in place and they like, hey, we want you to do this thing. That would be great. I would love to have more exposure for the things that I've worked on. And I guess really the thing is being able to have some projects that really resonate with larger groups, larger audiences, you know, Mm -hmm. being able to connect with people in a more relevant way. Yeah, I noticed on your on your site, you reference basically like you you want to work on things that just resonate and just feel both culturally relevant and emotionally resonant. Is that how you approach a new project sort of saying, okay, this is going to really like change someone or make them feel or what is that like deeper purpose behind it? I was walking one day, I guess I was in my 20s and I was walking in New York on St. Nicholas Avenue past the Harlem School of the Arts and I had this sort of this conundrum I was dealing with that resulted in in an epiphany that I am more than what I do. You know what I mean? Like I would value myself as, oh, I am a musician or I am a singer or I'm a composer or a producer, whatever. And I realized that as I pulled the onion layers back and got down to the center that who I am is going to be kind of funneled through whatever I do. So if my life path had gone a different direction and I ended up being like a martial arts master, mm-hmm. then I would still be doing what it is my soul was put here to do through that. And it's hard to put uh, words or labels on that. And then when you get to the point when you can't, but you can still feel it, mm-hmm. is when I think well, we are most in touch with what that is. Just being in touch with like this sense of knowledge of self and like, why am I here? Or who who am I? It's actually the first thing you hear on my first album. Oh, yeah? <laughs> first, yeah, yeah. Come with the real. The first, I have this character that I call the real. And the real represents kind of like eight-year-old Steve. Yeah, you start the album and the first thing you hear is who am I? And then the music starts and there's this like poem at the beginning. But yeah, it's just like knowing who you are and being able to allow that to fuel the things that you connect with and the work that, that we do. It makes so much sense seeing everything that you've done and everything that you're going to do. Thank you for sharing that. I could talk to you all day about this, and I feel like this conversation is going to continue, but I'll let you get to that laundry, get to that arranging. (laughs) Thanks so much, Steve, and I hope I see you soon. Yeah, yeah, same here, Kara. Thank you so much for this time. 